Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals improving performance to drive business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you this afternoon. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic show. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast Chief Learning Officer with Commvault, Mr. Joe Ilvento. How are you, man? Good, good. Hello, Stone. How are you? Hello, Lee. Uh, we are doing great, Joe. Can you, uh, before we get too far into things, can you share a little bit about Commvault? How are you serving folks? Yeah, sure. So Commvault is a leader at enterprise backup and recovery data management. And what we do is we work with companies across any kind of a hybrid environment. So not just any particular type of backup, but any of their equipment uh, we can work with. We've now, been uh, founded in 1996. We're publicly traded and we're headquartered in Titton Falls, New Jersey. And so your clients are in a variety of industries? Variety of industries across the board and around the world. Wow. So as chief learning officer, you must, uh, that's pretty, pretty big challenge. It's a big challenge. It's lots of fun. Um, it's, uh, some travel along the way. I had the opportunity to be with our Singapore team just a couple of weeks ago, uh, earlier in the year, I was with our UK team and, uh, throughout the year, of course, visiting folks around the country and around the world. Now, how do you design your uh, learning for the different cultures and the different groups around the world? Yeah, so one of the things we take a look at is we start really with the business drivers. We look at what they're looking to achieve and how they're, uh, what, what some of their objectives are. Uh, with our Singapore team, uh, we have a, a new VP installed and they're looking to craft a vision. So I was just talking about uh, some of the consulting work. So sometimes we'll put on our consultants hats and work with creating vision statements and identifying the big rocks and the goals and the objectives for the theater or the region and helping the VP and his team kind of action that and what that looks like for the next 30, 60, 90 days. And of course, throughout the year. In other instances, we'll be working with our managers and our leaders and we have a variety of programs there from a transitioning into management program to a Commvault manager program. And we're in the process now of developing a director level program to help more of the senior leaders work. And then there'll be kind of micro learning along the way. So right now we have a lot of emphasis on coaching and coaching others and also around change, leading change and change management. So you develop a kind of an overarching corporate policy and then you deploy it as needed around the world? That's correct. And so those would be some examples of classroom or face-to-face -face type learning. We layer in a, a virtual component, so can't always be there both pre and post. So we'll offer up e-learning, we'll offer up virtual training, either as pre-learning or post-learning in that process. And then we've also crafted a university. So we have a learning at Commvault website that offers up about 1500 or so uh, either Commvault created or off the shelf type short micro learning sessions, a lot of video, a lot of audio, a lot of engaging type content where 
a end user, a learner, can go in and type in a particular topic of interest, whether it's communication skills or project management or whatever it might be, and um, see what's out there. Now, how long have you been in the CLO role? With Commvault, uh, going on seven years. Prior to Commvault, I was one of the learning folks, uh, top learning folks, one of three at Citigroup for about 12 years. Now, and prior to that, I was an independent consultant, did a lot of work with the Fortune 200. Now, prior to you at Commvault, did they have a chief learning officer or were you the first one? I was the first. So part of this process was, uh, I think they were looking for a learning professional. And uh, as I was going through my interview process, they saw that what I brought to the table was much bigger than what they were originally looking for. But uh, I was I was a headhunter brought me to the table and they said, but you got to meet this guy. He, he really does uh, do a lot of things, uh, not only in the learning space, but also in the talent management space and the strategic HR space. So uh, as we went through the interview process, it was a it was a, a kind of a larger turnkey solution. And so they created the role for me. So now when you had this role and you got to, I guess, kind of create it from scratch, has it evolved in the manner that you envision? Uh, yeah, it's, it certainly has evolved. And you think about where we were and where we are today, it certainly is uh, and continues to be uh, a very fun and exciting and innovative environment. One, one of the nice things about creating the role was that it was really a blank slate opportunity. And that was what excites me. I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur at heart and I love to build and create things. And so Commvault, one of our core values is, is innovating and innovation. And one of those, that opportunity certainly exists here. So really had the opportunity to build out a learning function, a talent function, and build some frameworks and models that have really received some both national and international attention. And in your career, you've had the opportunity to write uh, several books, right? That's correct. So uh, I started way back when. Uh, my, my background is psychology and a master's in distance education. And uh, my first role out of college, out of Syracuse, was with a company called Cable and Wireless Communications down in Vienna, Virginia. And at uh, that time, I was a salesperson for them. I became their top salesperson. And so I, they said, you're doing so well. Why don't we have you train the other salespeople in the company? And so I migrated from a sales environment into sales training. And that sparked the first book uh, called License to Sell. I'm also a big James Bond fan. So we, we <laughs> borrowed from the title there. Uh, License to Sell was a, 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 great, uh, a great book. And uh, I met another co-author at the time who was a 20-year Marriott executive. And I was presenting at uh, the uh, Speakers Association down in Washington, D.C. about how to get published and how to get recognized. And I said, uh, you got to find a co-author anytime you're going to write a book. because It doubles the effort, doubles the marketing that you uh, put around a particular book. And he approached me and he was a 20 plus year Marriott executive and we wrote license to serve. So he came out of the, the hotel industry, the restaurant industry, and we wrote another book on servicing. And then the third book is around 
networking, and this is old school networking. This is pre-Facebook, pre-LinkedIn, old school Rolodex type <laughs> networking, but press the flesh, word of mouth. And that one was called Nobody to Somebody in 63 Days or Less. Now, what did that activity inform your um, chief learning officer uh, ability, like being an author and going through that process? Yeah, I think I think part of it is the ability to create content. So one of the things that I like to do is not just uh, be the, the thinker or the strategy, but actually the doer. So uh, oftentimes from an instructional design perspective, you not only have to conceptually come up with the idea, uh, part of the sales is understanding the needs analysis and understanding what the customer is looking for. In this case, my, my managers or my leaders or my learners, and then the ability to write and craft the content. So it's not that you're handing this off to other people because you can do it all yourself. It really helps you see the end to end design, both from the initial need and the driver behind it, actually outlining and creating the instructional design and then right on following through to the delivery and the support both pre and post program. So in your process, it's, um, do you lean on the experts and the subject matter experts throughout your system or are you saying that you're doing most of the content creation? No, absolutely. Uh, one of the, I guess, uh, trends that I've leveraged over the last 10 or so years is really taking a leader's teach concept. So rather than playing that role of subject matter expert, I like the idea of using instructional design to leverage the existing leaders, the existing business heads in the functions to share their perspective and share their insights. So as a learning professional, and as an instructional designer, you certainly can help tee that up. So you might tee up the exercise. You might tee up the what the actual breakouts might look like and help them understand it and capture those ideas. But you really want to give the opportunity for the business lead or some leader in the room to be able to share their expertise, share their own experiences, get that buy-in from the rest of the table and the rest of the team around the room and then help that person through instructional design or facilitation to carry that through to the next, uh, to the, uh, to the conclusion of whatever the learning objective happens to be. Now, when you're capturing the content, are you right now leaning a lot on video or, or how is the content captured? Well, we'll do, we'll certainly do video. So we love micro learning. We love short videos. So we will look for opportunities to capture uh, our leaders' perspectives uh, in short, small videos. We'll look for ways to tee it up live in the classroom, or we'll use subject matter experts in just getting some feedback, uh, whether it's anecdotes or case studies or examples that the folks facilitating the other programs can leverage during the program. Uh, Joe, this is Stone talking here. How do you make your curriculum decisions? How do you land on what to create and distribute in a given year or season? That's a great question. I think, again, it goes back to the overarching strategic goals of the organization. I'm a big believer in cascading. So we will look for what those strategic objectives look like and then kind of follow that progression down the line 
to understand what it, what does that impact look for, like from an HR perspective, and then from within an HR perspective, what might that look like from an L&D perspective? In my case, L&D reports up through the HR function. So I work closely with my human resource business partners to align with the business leads to help understand what it is they're looking for and how we can help support their uh, efforts. So right now we're undergoing uh, a big change strategy in how we are marketing our products and services. And as a result, we're supporting that change and helping manage that change in the field, helping people understand how they're getting, you know, how their roles might change, how their deliverables might change, how their day-to-day uh, actions might change on a daily basis and help them with that transformation from maybe what they did yesterday for what they're going to what they're going to be doing tomorrow. Well, I absolutely love it that you have business leads intimately involved in design and delivery. And I'm operating under the impression, maybe even in strategic direction assessment and, and so many of the other disciplines. And I have to believe that when it comes to planning and executing large scale, truly transformational change, of the nature that I think I hear you describing, having business leads that intimately involved has to make for better, faster, uh, more cost-effective change. Is, is that accurate? Yeah, certainly. I mean, anytime we can get an opportunity to have a business lead share their perspectives, especially in an area or in an industry that has very rapid change associated with it, to get by the time if you were to take a traditional approach and try to do interviews and capture that content into some type of formal learning and then formally create that in some type of e-learning or classroom-based learning and then cascade that within the organization, by then probably the strategies change, the markets change, <laughs> the environments change. So what we do is we'll often ask, uh, either virtually or live in person, if we're doing an offsite, if we're doing a meeting, we'll invite leaders to come and present. And we'll take, if it's a 90-minute session, we'll carve out 20, 30 minutes to invite a guest speaker from the business to come share and speak to us, whether whatever the group is, to help gain some insight and allow, always allow time for Q&A at the end. Now, are these micro-learning opportunities, are they in the 20-minute chunks, or you're, are they more micro than that? So our micro-learning, uh, within our Learning at Commvault website, uh, we offer off-the-shelf uh, third-party vendor content that ranges in the two- to five-minute range. We've launched our own internal and create, crafted our own videos around our talent management framework, uh, uh, a.k.a. performance management or uh, our coaching framework, or our priorities framework. And we've leveraged and built in-house content that ranges again, four to five minutes in length. And in the end, sometimes when we'll invite speakers to speak, typically we'll keep that in the 15 to 20, you know, max 30 minute range and allow Q&A to build off of that as well. So it really ranges, but definitely on the shorter side versus the longer side. Do, are you finding that you're getting better engagement and people are listening and comprehending in those small chunks? I think the small chunks really do help. Uh, it allows people to cut, craft a learning path that works for them. 
So you've heard of the just in time, just enough, just right kind of model associated with bite-sized learning or micro learning. And what it does is allows people to have a beginning, a middle, and an end all in a very short time frame, and then tee up the next program behind it. So they can decide based on the time available, how much they want to invest in a particular topic or uh, honing a particular skill or possibly just prior to a meeting. The other option that we've done is we've actually created curriculums. So we've curated uh, multiple uh, learning modules, these small micro learnings into a learning path that can sometimes exceed uh, 60 or 90 minutes, but it's a, sh a series of modules. So a module might consist of four or five of these three minute type uh, programs. And uh, a curriculum might have three or four modules associated with it. So all in, you might be a 60 or 90 minute program, but it's all curated. So it tees up the next program for you once you're finished with the one prior. Now, um, are you doing assessments to, um, so you can tell what's working, what's not, and what needs to be tweaked or where there needs to be uh, some remedial help or things like that? Yeah, so one of the things that we're doing, so the, 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 the micro-learning that we leverage has a baked-in kind of knowledge test, knowledge quiz, knowledge transfer option at the end. So you do have that ability. We can, in some instances, uh, we do pre-tests and post-tests, so we're able to get some level two data. Um, all of our e-modules that we craft in-house, we have a level one follow-up that's baked in. And then in some instances, we'll actually look for some anecdotal uh, level three type application of the content. As you know, that's it, it gets a little bit more challenging. It gets a little bit, there's a lot more rigor that goes into that type of pre and post. Uh, ultimately, we use the business to be our gauge and our guide. And we look at our usage and our learners coming back for more to be our primary driver as to whether we've been successful or not. And the answer over the years has been an overwhelmingly yes. Now, are you directly involved in, I don't know what the right term would be, structuring the job or creating job profile descriptions? Is that part of your domain and, and area of responsibility there, you and your team? So, yes, I have been uh, been asked to help craft certain what we call success profiles. And by doing that, what we do is we go back, we will identify the interview, a particular group of people and find out what makes them successful. So we look for best in class uh, folks that are succeeding in their roles. We'll help identify and we'll We'll tease out of them through interviews. Uh, what are the required skills? What does their background and experience look like? And what are some core competencies associated with that role? And then from that, we'll actually build a profile and we can then leverage that profile uh, to uh, cover everything from recruiting. So when we're actually posting a role out externally as to what that descriptor role might look like, what the recruiters might use to screen those candidates to interview guides. So when the hiring manager is sitting in front of those candidates, 
behavioral interview questions they can ask to truly and genuinely make sure that those skills and that knowledge exists uh, against that particular role and with those individuals. Uh, we'll carry it right on through to what we call a learning path or a career development opportunity. We can have new hires or existing people enroll, self-assess against an assessment. And we've recently uh, been awarded uh, an innovation award uh, on a tool that will actually allow for that assessment to occur and it will dynamically craft a 70-20-10 split development plan for that individual, uh, both closing the gaps that might exist for a role or allowing them to look at their current role and what a future role might look like and close those gaps. So some pretty cool stuff uh, in, in that regard. Well, congratulations. Congratulations on, um, on being up for that award. Can you describe what is the 70-20-10? Ten about what does that so mean? So seventy twenty ten for the learning folks out there. Uh, certainly, uh, they've heard that before. Seventy twenty ten is a way of looking at learning. That if you think about what you've learned in the past and everything you've learned to date, probably seventy percent of it falls into on the job experiential type exercises. Huh, yeah. So what we refer to sometimes as stretch assignments or on the job assignments or learning in the role itself. The, the 20 is the coaching and the feedback. It's the mistakes. It's the, the feedback loops that you get as to learning how not to do something or how to improve on something based on feedback. And then the 10% is the structured learning. It's the, the classroom learning. It's the, the learning at Commvault website type structured learning or e-learning that you might take or book learning. And so when you think about that mix, it creates a hybrid learning environment where 70, 20, and 10% of that, when put together, creates your ideal learning atmosphere. What you're describing makes perfect sense. I don't guess I ever framed it up that way and didn't think about it, but there, all three are important, but such a, a, a great deal of this really is happening on the job, which again, for me, underscores the, the value and the importance of having your business leads intimately involved throughout the process. And that way they don't untrain them quicker than you can train them. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. When you think about that model, and this is one of the, the things that we talk about in our manager and our leadership training is if you think about that model, the manager owns about 90% of that person's success from a development perspective. Mm. That oftentimes what happens is the manager will say, what do you have, what training do you have to fix this issue or fix this person? And we'll often go into that 70, 20, 10 kind of model and talk to them and say, we can certainly provide training, but understand the 90% really rests in the, in your environment and what you can bring to the table as a leader. So as you are thinking about delegating assignments, as you think about the work that has to be done in the function, look across your team and say to yourself, who would benefit most from those types of stretch assignments? Who would benefit most from maybe cross-functional assignments? So you might, rather than give it to the person who has always done that particular role in the past, look for opportunities to cross-train or to provide new opportunities and stretch opportunities for other members of your team. Now, um, how has Commvault been able to kind of make learning just really part of the culture? Do you have any suggestions for other CLOs out there? Uh, 
Well, part of that culture certainly is uh, the opportunity to, to learn and to provide um, the learning to everyone. So we have an open door policy. Um, there is really any content that we load in our Learning at Commvault website. I mean, I could probably count on one hand the number of programs that are not available to every single person in the company. So we do not limit um, who could see what content. So if you're in customer support and you uh -huh. want to take a sales training program or get up to speed on what the sales field is seeing, you absolutely have that ability and vice versa. So that's a big part of the culture is just being open uh, with that, uh, with the content and the environment. I think a big part of it also is innovation. And in the technical space, um, I think technical professionals know that their learning curve is a steep one, that if they cannot kind of rest uh, for uh, too many months or let alone years and not have skills bypass them. Uh, I'll give you a good example. Uh, five years ago, only a few people were really talking about cloud, but now it's all you hear. So we were putting content around cloud and serving it up um, into the system. And now it's it's just a given that that's part of the market and part of the offerings uh, that are out there. So I, I think it's that, that innovation, it's that drive for results that certainly comes through in our values. Um, it, it's It's, giving the the tools and the opportunities for anyone in the company to attend uh, the various training programs that exist uh, is, is a big opportunity and it's a big driver of engagement and, and culture uh, that we can support learning here at Combo. And it sounds like you're investing in all the employees to really um, get the most out of their skills and give them the, the most opportunity to learn a variety of things, not just the where they are involved. It gives them a chance to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're, we're big on that. So from an onboarding perspective, we're starting early and getting folks onboarded and giving them an opportunity to kind of be exposed and what's available to them. Uh, certainly from, from that perspective, uh, the one area of manager training that we're moving into, we're in the process of developing now is what we call an individual leadership program. So again, exposing uh, folks that are not in, as leaders and managers, uh, but those uh, from an individual perspective, what are all the training and the opportunities that exist there? Um, last year, or I should say over the last couple of years, we put over a thousand people through what we call an unlocking potential workshop. And that really gave them the opportunity to explore their career aspirations. What is it that they want to get out of that? We gave them and gave them the opportunity to participate in a career anchors assessment, to do a strengths assessment, to understand what their strengths are and their personal strengths are. We gave them the opportunity to craft a development plan to kind of hone those strengths and then to have a conversation with their manager to mutually come up with a great development plan that's going to help them uh, both expand in role, but also prepare them for future roles here at Commvault now, has that um, initiative kind of bubbled up some people that maybe surprised uh, people there that, you know, that think, you know, you're making this available to a lot of a lot of people that aren't typically getting that kind of leadership training. And now, since anybody can do it, have you been surprised that anybody has taken advantage of it? Well, some of the metrics, you go back to metrics and things that we've measured, 
So we had some really, really great success. Um, we've actually, we do a voice of the employee, uh, we call it a Walter's Voice Survey. So it's an annual employee survey. Many companies do these on an annual basis. And one of those scores that they look at is engagement indices, uh, a series of questions that measure engagement. And what we found is that those managers and those employees that were having those unlocking potential conversations, talking about career, talking about development, uh, giving them permission to participate in training, that those managers that had one or more conversations over the course of the year versus those that didn't have those conversations had a 20% jump in engagement scores across the board. Uh, Corporate Executive Board, now Gartner, um, actually came in and did a case study on our work and the work that we've done, and they have it as a case study within the the CEB environment. So really uh, powerful stuff, and it really helps underscore the power that a unlocking potential workshop or just really getting managers and employees talking to one another can do with regards to getting your employees engaged within the company. And it's amazing that it doesn't take a lot. I mean, just one or two times, it it, um, causes a significant improvement. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you start to ask, uh, you know, simple questions, you know, are are we leveraging your strengths? Uh, What was the best part of your quarter last quarter? What was the worst part of your quarter last quarter? In other words, sometimes you're afraid to ask. Uh, the questions, you know, some negative questions. Sometimes as managers or leaders, you may not want to hear the answers. You'll be surprised <laughs> if you have those conversations. Uh, you learn a lot about your team and you learn a lot about the way you might be delivering or, or doing your work within your function that you could modify and change. And as a result, um, not only increase uh, individual engagement and really develop the culture, uh, but also from a team perspective, to you know, build the team engagement and team culture. And I'm sure having that type of a program helps. It helps on multiple fronts. It helps in recruiting uh, new talent. It um, it nurtures existing talent, and then it provides a, a wealth of of knowledge to share throughout the entire company. Absolutely, uh, we will often ask um, new hires or folks coming into the organization, vaulters as we call them to uh, you know, do some testimonials or uh, you know, ask them what they like best about becoming a, a, a Commvault uh, employee. And, and oftentimes they'll cite the learning opportunities or they'll look back and they'll say, you know, what we're doing here is, very, is, a, is a great opportunity and much more than that was offered at our previous company. So that's, that's a great uh, kind of testimonial. We love to hear that all the time. Well, this is Stone again. I got to tell you, I, I think I can take it a step further than that. Uh, you guys are having a marvelous learning talent development conversation here, but as a marketing person, I want uh, Joe Ilvento on my side, helping me think through how to frame up, articulate and deliver messaging, even to my, even to my market. I mean, I, I, are you, are your marketing guys like knocking on your door, wanting to work with you too? <laughs> so it, it does help to have a little uh, sales background uh, <laughs> when it comes to putting together your, your learning for sure. Um, one of the things I, I go back to my consulting days. So when we did, not only do we deliver say a leadership program, but we'll do one sheets. So those of you who sell learning for a living, you know what these one sheets are. They're, they're kind of the, the one pager that talks at the highlights. What are the key benefits? What are the key tools? What am I going to walk away with? 
uh, you know, how is attending, how is my investment of time in this particular program going to help me personally or help my team or help me as a leader or make my job easier? So that's, that sales side of things is important because you have to get the learner's mind share uh, first to get them to invest uh, into their, the, into the session and ultimately absorb the materials and the content and then apply it. Now, I think you briefly mentioned this earlier, but um, you're being honored with an award from CLO Magazine. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about? Absolutely. Uh, so I, I am fortunate. Um, we are doing this session on Sunday. I get on a plane to go down to Houston uh, for the CLO Magazine Awards. Uh, it's an award in innovation. And in this particular award, it's, a, it's, a, it's an innovation award for the work that we were doing in this dynamic development plan tool that we've crafted around the success profiles. So I mentioned earlier, we give the oftentimes when it comes to career conversations, managers, employees, they fall flat. Uh, employees want to have the career conversation. Managers don't always know what to say and how to uh, kind of point to say, this is what you're going to need to do to kind of close gaps or advance your career. So what we've done is we, we take that success profile, we've crafted, uh, broke it down into the competencies and subcompetencies. So and not to get too technical, but for the most part, we try to chunk it into manageable questions that are progressive. So, you know, both the employee and the manager both answer these questions. It's weighted a little bit heavier on the manager side. So whatever the manager says has a little bit more weight to it than what the individual might be saying, just because sometimes we tend to, as humans, overinflate our own uh, abilities and, uh, and skills at times. And what it does is it will instantly, um, as you complete the assessment, it will instantly craft an assessment. You'll see red bars and green bars uh, tagged against the core competencies of the role. So you'll know where you meet expectations for that role and where there might be some shortcomings. And then instantly it will serve up suggested training, again, going back to that 70-20-10 split, so stretch assignments, on-the-job assignments, things you can do today in that role, very specific to that role. Uh, the actual behaviors that you're assessed against become the coaching tool part of it. And then we add in the, any structured learning that might exist within the Learning at Commonwealth website to help supplement that. And then the manager sees that first. He can then push a button. It tees it up for the employee. They get together either face-to-face -face or virtually. And then together, they decide what would be the priority in terms of what that learning might look like or what that career path or learning path might look like for that particular uh, learner or employee. The nice thing about it is the manager just has a read-only version. It's the employee that owns checking the boxes or mm. identifying and crafting the plan. So the employee owns their career, and that's an important part of the takeaway of the program. So within minutes, practically, I mean, if you strung everything together quickly, it could be done probably in about an hour, hour and a half, but usually over a series of days, uh, people will do this. We've had hundreds of people complete it. And uh, the, the results are, are development plans that are built. And then furthermore, we can roll that up into a heat map and see from a team perspective where the team might require some team development <clears throat> around a particular skill or area. 
And then the entire function can roll it up into a heat map and actually see where maybe the function might need work. And that helps us, again, go back to targeting business-specific training around a particular area to close a gap that might exist across the board. Well, Joe, I can certainly see why you're winning the award. Congratulations again. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much for investing the time to to visit with us a little bit this afternoon. This has been a great deal of fun. Thanks, man. Well, thank you. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Stone. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor. Our guest today, Joe Elvento, Chief Learning Officer with Commvault, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights.